Netflix has announced they are releasing the soundtrack for The School of Good and Evil by composer Theodore Shapiro. I chat with the composer about his challenging score in a moment. Composer Theodore Shapiro for The School of Good and Evil. I love a score that features what I call texture to it. It has all these different elements combined rather than just, you know, a straight music. And that's what I love about this. This is just the the textures in it. Uh, And we'll talk about the different layers that you put into it. It's really good score. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I appreciate the work you put into it. I mean, it's... Uh, it's easier to listen to than to put it together. I <laughs> it was uh, it was a lot of music. It's always a thrill and a challenge to sort of invent a new musical world. So you know, this was such a rich canvas to uh, to paint on. It was it was really a pleasure to do. Cool. You know, I like the uh, like the woodwind instruments you kind of put in there a little bit, yep. some flutes and things. Mm-hmm. What. What led you to that? Uh, you know, you wouldn't figure that would play into something like this, but it actually works extremely well. Thanks. One of the things about this about this movie and and the world of the School for Good and Evil is that it really it encompasses the, the heroes and villains that are that are referenced in in the film really sort of span a lot of time and and eras and and so you know I wanted to play with that idea and and part of that was that that I I wanted there to be some sort of like a you know medieval um palette and so so there are these like recorders and frame drums that that kind of reference an an older English sound palette and so that was where the that was where the flutes came from. Part of the 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 gumbo of this score is also you know there's harpsichord which you know which refers to a, a Baroque era, and then of course the you know the orchestra you know gets you into a more 19th 20th century sound, and then and then there's programmed beats which are you know contemporary. So I wanted this uh, world to to contain all of those things. I gotta ask you, as far as harpsichords, are those easy to get these days, or are are there many out there? They're I they are gettable. It's it's always always fun to to record those. I I um don't get to do it a lot, so so it's it's, it's a pleasure when I when I get to. Oh, that sound is just fantastic too. On that, there's nothing yeah. like it. Yeah, I know, it's, I know. It's amazing. Absolutely, and and there's nothing like the real thing. I mean, you know, the, yeah. The, very good samples, but but the real thing just has a life to it that that uh, can't really compete with 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 samples. Mm-hmm. You know, one thing I like too is how you use not only just a soloist but the choir. Yeah, like it. I I hear the soundtracks I don't like is when they're used, they're overused, and mm-hmm. they kind of drown out the music. But it was mixed so well that you brought them in at the right time. And oh, it really makes a musical statement. I, you know, choir. Uh, what led you in that direction? Well, I, I thought first of all, first of all, there's two choirs in 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 the wow. score. So there's a traditional choir, um, and then there's an ethnic Bulgarian choir. They make this very it's it's an all female group, and they make this very very distinctive sound with with kind of open nasal um syllables 
it's a great, great sound and very evocative. And I'm, and that's really used um, specifically in conjunction with the uh, school of evil and those sort of evil characters to kind of give it this harsh vocal quality. Um, and that was a lot of fun to play with. The traditional choir um, is, is used, um, you know, why did I make that choice? It, there's an epic sweep to this score that, uh, or the, the movie felt like it asked for an epic approach. Sometimes voices can, you know, just like the finale of Beethoven's Ninth, you know, sometimes voices can lift music to a different, a different level. And uh, it felt like a, felt like something that, that, that we needed to use. The, the Bulgarian one, there was that one soloist, it seemed her voice had this, you know, otherworldly quality to it that was just really took you there and I oh really great that. great great thank you yeah that's that's quite a find i mean to to find something like that and uh boy kudos that's that just really <laughs> adds to it. well thanks yeah it, it it is um it's a really neat sound and you know and and fortunately there is a sp- sample library out there with with that with that ensemble and um and so you know that ultimately becomes just in a modern filmmaking context being able to demonstrate something like that to your director ends up being an important part of the process especially the way that i work which is that i create very detailed demos for the director to listen to and evaluate whether they uh, like music so, you know, the ability to have a, a fairly unique sound like that and be able to put it in your demo and say, what do you think of this? Instead of saying, hey, just imagine it's going to sound really cool when I do this thing. Well, you know, that, that, that that's a tougher position to take as a composer. So so I'm I'm grateful to those who uh, who make those things. Doing it as a detailed demo, I think, really, really helps everybody. And yes. uh, and the extra work pays off because. Yep. More than likely, it probably ends up in the score. <laughs> well, it's it, it's not even necessarily that the demo ends up in the score. Um, Maybe the sound does. Maybe a particular the sound, sound does. Yeah, and and um, you know, yeah. In a lot of instances, you know, we are trying when we go to record, we are you know trying to get the best of both worlds, where we are being faithful to to what the demo is and. And, and what that intention is and to what that thing that the director has been living with is at the same time, understanding that you're going to get something better with live players and, and to not, you know, to not be slavish to it. So, you know, that, that's, that's the name of the game. How many pieces did you have uh, for the orchestra? It was a big group. Let's see. What was it? It was, I, well, I think that, we uh because of pandemic restrictions we recorded the orchestra in in sections hmm. um i think probably if you stuck it all together the biggest ensemble would be in the low 90s maybe because we had wow. a first for for the biggest cues we had an outsized brass section a, a very very large brass section and and because we are recording them separately and not at the same time as the strings and winds 
you know, you can you can have this gigantic sound without it overpowering everybody else. Um, and uh, so, yeah, so it ended up being a large ensemble, um, just not all in the room at one time. There's more sci-fi talk, so stay tuned. Here's more sci-fi talk with Tony Tolato. It it seems like the like for the piece on the good and the versus evil orientation that yeah. is that kind of a birth of a theme that kind of runs through the entire film. It's that, kind of a sweet. That the first time we hear it, that might be the first time we hear it. Yeah, yeah. that and that is the. Um, if I'm if I'm referring to the same thing that you are, um, that that theme is is really the school for for goods theme um and and it can also it's also attached to some of the characters from the school for good yeah i think that's probably the first time we hear it in the score cool did i always like to ask composers this because did you have time to kind of be the mad scientist and play with all these sounds and manipulate them yeah well i mean I start, I mean, whenever I can, I start writing very early in the process. So, um, you know, by the time Paul was started shooting, I think that we had themes for Sophie and Agatha and theme for the school of good, theme for the school of evil, and, and a couple of others. One of the benefits of uh, starting that early is that you can really drill down into the into the sound before before you're chasing the picture that's already been shot. You know, you have some time to just gather your thoughts, really take some time with these themes and get them where you want to explore the sounds. I don't know. I, I find that to be a good method of working. And uh, sometimes when you just when you get into the the grind of, you know, of having um, 120 minutes of music to write, you know, you end up, you know, you 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 it, it raises the risk that you end up just flying through it without really taking the time to to think it through and um, refine the palette. So when you write music. Nowadays, you can do it on your tablet. I've talked to some composers that just write it out longhand. Yeah. How do you how do you prefer to do that? Or maybe you mix it up? I write at my, you know, I have a workstation uh, with with a keyboard and, you know, lots of samples and and things like that. You know, occasionally I will sketch paper and pencil for myself. But the truth is, I hate my handwriting so much. Uh, and I always have, and and so so writing, writing by hand for me is really not pleasurable for that reason. I di- I don't I don't enjoy that. At the same time, th- there there are things that you can do and see when you're, you're writing by hand that that are harder to 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 see on on the computer. But I have also over time, um, you know, developed an ability to to work at the computer in a way that that is fun for me first of all where i'm i've i've you know figured out figured out how to to write counterpoint and things like that um you know just line by line at at the computer and so that that's that's what i usually do where are you as far as home studio versus a studio away from home where do you sit I have a studio away from home. Um, I always, I always thought that I would have a home studio. That, like that, that, that 
was what I envisioned for myself. And then um, when I moved um, from New York to Los Angeles, it just so happened, you know, we moved, we found a house that we loved and it just didn't have a space for, for a home studio. Um, so it was great for everything except for that. And it turned out that there was a space opening up um, in, in my recording engineer's studio. And so I just started working there and it was really close to, to this house. So, and then I discovered, I liked getting out of the house and going somewhere and, and coming home and not having the ability. This was right when I started, uh, you know, when, when my, when my first child was born. So <laughs> I liked being able to get home and not have the possibility of the distraction of work. And I just have uh, stuck with that all these years. Now you avoid what a lot of composers have told me that when they uh, <laughs> when they literally um, are, have a home studio, they get an idea and yeah. they go there just to tinker, and they end up staying staying there forever. So I yeah, think. yeah, yeah. I I mean, I I would do that. I mean, uh, and the the fact is, I I love my work. So writing is pretty joyful for me, and I think that. I think it would have been hard for me to separate myself. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, this this has ended up being a, a a good way to work for me. Is there a, was there an instrument of choice that you use when you write when you want to hear something musically, or or I guess you can also use the computer a little bit too. You know, I'm a pianist, so that's that's my main instrument. It, it's a good instrument. So a lot of times, I I will if I'm figuring out ideas, I'll do it at the piano. On the other hand, you know, the character of the piano is so different from the character of a woodwind or a brass instrument. And some sometimes, you know, sometimes it's more helpful to to mess with a sample where you can really hear the sound that you are writing for. So, you know, mostly piano, but but when that won't do or when I really need to hear uh, the correct color, I can do that, too. What was it like when, uh, you know, coming up with Sophie's Dream Waltz? I thought that was a nice piece. Oh, well, you know, it, that was really the, the beginning of the, of the journey, uh, really, with, with, with the characters of Sophie and Agatha. We, they both had waltzes in the film. Sophie's, um, you know, with the dream waltz. And then Agatha later at the Everball, it was always Paul's and my vision that when we get to the Everball, it would sort of be the full flower of of, of Agatha's theme that, that son, you know, her, her character had taken over the school for good. So I think that those were actually the first two pieces that I wrote with the with Sophie theme she has this self-conception as a princess but but of course it's more complicated than that and so so in in writing that theme you know i wanted there to be a couple of little chromatic twists and turns in the theme so that so that it just felt more complicated than a princessy theme one of my favorite tracks has to be tower of blood i really like oh. that. <laughs> thanks that it was really uh that was really fun fun to do it's such a great scene there are these woodwind clusters um at the beginning of the queue that were really these sort of really kind of gnarly you know and spooky chords and uh that was really a lot of fun to write and and i was happy with how that how that interacted with the scene 
So the song at the end, who do you think you, who do yeah. you think you are? How, what's, how did that uh, come about? It's funny. That was also among the things, the pieces that were written early before the, before the movie was shot. And Paul knew he wanted to have an end title song and, and we've worked together on, on other songs. And so, you know, one of the things that I wrote was the musical bed for the song the early, early on. And, and we, quickly moved into working with uh, another songwriter named uh, Cara Salamando. She really, um, you know, lyrically, she landed on this idea of who do you think you are and sort of undermining the the simple um, dichotomy of being good or evil and, and complicating that idea. So we ended up using the theme of the song um, throughout the score as, you know, a- as a theme underlining the idea of of undermining, uh, you know, a binary good versus evil um, split. And yeah, that was that was how it started. And then later on, we were able to get these wonderful artists, Ka- uh, Cautious Clay and and uh, and Kiana Lede to perform a song. And of course, you know, with great vocalists, they elevate the material into something you know into something new and and they definitely they definitely brought the song to a new and different place that was really exciting yeah that was fascinating you know that's one of the things i like about the movie is it kind of looks at even though it's from a fantasy standpoint what good and evil are and obviously there's some horror elements in there yeah and also these kids kind of trying to find where they land, what choice do they make? Or right. What do they really like? That's one of the things I really liked about the movie. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm right with you. I, I, I thought that that was really well done. Um, you know, from a writing perspective and, and, uh, and I think that Paul really brought that idea to life. Mm-hmm. Getting Charlize is not a bad thing either. No, <laughs> that, helps. that always helps. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a really fascinating score. My favorite scores are the ones where, yes, they have to support the picture, obviously. But when you listen to them, they stand on their own. But they also make you remember certain mm. scenes from the movie. Yeah. And and that, to me, is like total success. If you can hear it separately and say, yeah. oh, I remember that part or whatever, or I love this theme and you know stuff like that. That's why... So many famous movie themes have stuck with us all these years. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So I, I think you, I think you captured some of that in this. Oh well, really... great, thank you. I appreciate it. I appreciate well, it. Well, thank you. It's been a pleasure. Likewise, a very happy uh, Thanksgiving. We all have a lot to be thankful for. For sure. And also, very happy holiday season for you and your family. Sounds thank like you, you have a. You have a few kids to play with, so that sounds I good. Do. Well, yeah, I do. They're they're, they're teenagers, <laughs> so there's not that much wow. time anymore. But but, uh, but uh, no, but I'm I'm looking forward to the season. I hope you have a wonderful holiday yourself. Thank you very much. I right, appreciate right. it. All right, all right. Bye right. right now. Take care. Bye-bye. You too. Bye bye. The soundtrack is now available for all of us to enjoy. This is Tony Tolado. Thanks for listening.